Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1270 entitled Jojo Mez Adams. <laughs> I'm sort of patching around that one. Podcast title Who Do You Think You Are Kidding, Mr. Podler? I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. Welcome back, Megan. Thank you. Happy to be back. It was only one week, but, you know, felt a bit of a hole in my life. (laughs) Well, under the extreme circumstances, I'm finding it rather challenging to wear my hat at its customary jaunty angle. The Rose the Hat angle. Yeah. Rob the Hat. (laughs) However, in full futurist mode, it seems to me that with anthropogenic... That's always a hard word to get out Hard for federal governments, obviously, too. Uh, with anthropogenic climate change, weather extremes now literally baked on, that uh, I think we know that Australia desperately needs a paid professional year-round national-scale firefighting natural disaster force funded up to military levels. It would be able to call upon in-country defence force assets, logistics, comms, manpower, aviation and so on but also be structured in a cell-like fashion that would allow it to be regionally based so that local knowledge and expertise could be retained. So using the uh, the military fast and heavy lift capability that we've seen demonstrated in these bushfires now, mm. the cells could swarm intra and interstate uh, when necessary or maybe even internationally. So there are lots of nuances to that idea and buts and what about details to consider, but I'm sort of above the line thinking here. (laughs) The two whimsical thoughts occur immediately. I would love to call it the down under birds. Down under birds, I go. And the second thought is that Peter Dutton shouldn't be let within a bull's roar of being in charge of anything like that because he's already head supervillain of Mordor Force. (laughs) Uh, And I also found out after I'd uh, thought I'd thought of this myself, um, which is fairly, really actually was fairly naive of me, that um, Federal Labor's 2019 election platform contained a policy that promised to establish the National Aerial Bushfire Fighting Fleet of Aircraft and also uh, a smoke-jumping uh, units like the Americans have where um, they can um, helicopter in, um, sometimes repel in uh, mm. uh, forces who would... Um, uh, attack the fire straight off in those remote areas and have more of a chance of, of stopping them. Yeah. But our franking credits, you know, <laughs> so that will whoop up in the, into smoke, literally. So, you know, that's just my uh, futuristic approach to this, and part of what, something that's on many, many fronts. And, of course, um, so sad to hear of so much devastating tragedy out there. It is. Yeah. I think every single person listening knows somebody affected in one way or another um, greater or lesser degree and Megan and I were talking about this beforehand uh, it's very primal the um, the smoke out there in the haze mm. it, um, it it triggers off an automatic sort of fl- fight or flight 
reactions on a low level. So we're all on edge at the moment. Yeah, it's a very sobering week and it's just this kind of constant reminder sort of overhanging. And Mm. I mean, as we should be reminded, I think it's something very important to keep top of mind and remember what everyone's doing at the moment to battle the fires and just survive out there. So we're thinking of you all, definitely. Mm. So We're not praying for you. No. Because that don't work. (laughs) Uh, But I will say mind how you travel. And you know. Send out whatever thoughts, however you like to express that. Well, I can't see how Jedi mind tricks would help in this occasion. Can't anyway, hurt. Yeah. Um, I got to see two films that I had to hold over from last year yesterday. Yes. Oh, it's our first show of 2020. It is. That's exciting. And I was going to play a track, but um, iTunes has messed me up. <laughs> You're having some trouble with I'm Apple having, at the moment. I'm having issues yeah. at the moment. Anyway, I saw Taika Waititi's expertly judged surreal oh. satire, Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, one that I kept, I've been trying to catch up with for ages and I thought was going to be played earlier in the year and, and they put it off. Yeah, I think it was meant to be released a couple of months ago. And that is The Addams Family that I'm talking about. Ah. Ah, yes. The CGI animated very kooky movie. Yeah, we talked about this a long time ago, I think. I know. And but, they, just, they, they kept putting it off. Um you know, so uh, I was entertained. Ah. And, and as I, I said uh, on last week's show, I enjoyed Cats more than the latest Star Wars film. <laughs> I mean, that's saying something, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's probably saying more about me. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because I remember, yeah, when we sort of talked a bit about Star Wars and, you know, what, what weren't that negative on it, but has it sat with you a bit more? And Well, I, I, I hate to compare films, but I did in this case because I'm cheeky. Um <laughs> I just enjoyed Cats and I, you know, I, didn't, I did not walk out of Star Wars singing any songs. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, or, uh, or cleaning my whiskers or anything like that. I'm not, I, speaking of jaunty hats, I've got my hat in here today and it's covered in cat fur because one of my cats has decided that it makes a really good nest. Oh, it does. It would though. <laughs> it would definitely, I think he's onto something. Yes. Uh, okay, so um, let's have a track mm-hmm. here and it's... Uh, uh, off a CD, Super Scary Monster Party. Um, and this is one of those uh, cover sort of albums with all sorts of stuff on it. And I want to tr- play the uh, the theme to the Adams Family just to um, just to begin with on to get us into a kind of a mood, mm-hmm. uh, take us out of uh, 2019 and into the, <laughs> so far, equally horrific 2020. Hi, this is Richard E. Grant, and you're listening to Triple R. Cheers and chin chin. Hmm. Uh, a cover version of the Adams Family from Super Scary Monster Party. So distinct. Yeah. I used to love Adams Family Values. It was one of my favourite movies as a kid. I watched it all the time. That's the second one. Yeah, it's the one with Joan Cusack. Cusack. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, playing Debbie? Yes, yeah. I don't know why I like that one. I thought she was in the first one. Shh. No, I, sh- no. I mean, she may be, but I don't yeah. think so. I think it's just the second one. But Well, uh, the new Adams Family movie, um, American 3D CGI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the way they've had to split all these genres in there. Animated supernatural <laughs> yeah. black comedy horror film directed by Conrad Vernon. <laughs> it's actually, mouthful. He's a voice actor um, oh, cool. and storyboard artist, worked on Shrek. Uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, Madagascar 3, okay. Penguins of Madagascar. <laughs> and he also co-directed Sausage Party. Oh, okay. Which is a parody of so many of the uh, DreamWorks films. So he's kind of been working his way up to yeah, his yeah. solo credit. Mm. Uh, and um, he's also 
been tapped for uh, Adam's Family 2 mm-hmm. and um, an untitled animated Jetsons film. Interesting. Well, mm. we're about due for that, I suppose. Yeah. I also looked uh, further into his television background too, worked on Ren and Stimpy. Ah, uh-huh. So that, that's always a good credit for something. So he's get. clearly enjoyed the animated space for a long time. Mm. This uh, film, Adam's Family, is written by Matt Lieberman and Pamela Petler. Uh, and Pamela Petler um, worked on, did the screenplay for Nine and Monster House and Corpse Bride. Oh, okay. And also the uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch in Friends Forever TV movie from 2002. Oh, the classic. The classic. <laughs> I so, bet you see that, right? <laughs> so I, I think, um, yeah, you notice how I skated over that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, she's probably the one who's bringing the, uh, the gothic sort of mm. um, sensibility to yep. this. Very important in an Adam's Family outing. Which is built in anyway because it's uh, created by cartoonist uh, Charles Adams back in 1938, so quite a while ago. And there were like 150 single panel cartoons, Mm -hmm. um, basically kind of unrelated. uh, But then they they sort of brought them all together and so we got a feeling for the whole Adams Family. Probably um, kicked along... Actually, definitely kicked along most heavily by the live-action series back in 1964 mm-hmm. with John Aston playing Gomez Adams and Carolyn Jones as Morticia. Uh, that went on to establish a, a, a 1977 telly film uh, and a lot of other um, cameos from members of the Adams family in, in other shows. Uh, an animated series in 73, which I vaguely remember, um, the feature films, which people will probably remember more, yeah. the Angelica uh, Houston, Houston and, yeah, um, Raul Julia, no longer with us, sadly, Gomez, mm. uh, Christina Ricci, memorably playing Wednesday. Yes, part of her heyday of Casper and all of that stuff. We, we actually all really want her to grow up to have to play Morticia someday, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And she's cosplayed as. I wonder too. if she's still acting. <laughs> Christina Ricci. Well, what is the last thing she's been in? Of course, she is. Um, Christopher Lloyd as Festa in those two movies, Adam's yeah. Family and Adam's Family Values. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that inspired another animated series with um, John Aston reprising his voice uh, role as Gomez. Mm-hmm. And then they did a spin-off live-action television series in um, mm-hmm. 98 and 99. Uh, they did a direct-to-video film which had Tim Curry playing Gomez and Daryl Hannah playing uh, Morticia. Oh, okay. Not, hardly anyone's seen that. That's, interesting, very yeah. interesting. And then it really kicked off a decade later with um, the uh, the musical, uh, the Broadway musical, with Nathan Lane as Gomez and uh, wow. BB New, New, Newworth playing uh, Morticia. That's a pretty good recipe right there. Yeah, and then and it span off into video games, soundtracks. Very well-known piece of property, I think. Yeah. So basically, you know, it, it's the, uh, the inverted uh, American family. You know, they sort of trundle along and sort of pay lip service to that quite a bit now. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got the, the Bundys, yeah. um, the Simpsons, yeah. uh, all those sorts of things. They're all inverted US ideal families. Family guy. Mm, family guy, yeah, definitely an mm. American dad. Uh, and um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a tired trope, I think, if, if done with some nuance and uh, an ability to read the the horror in jokes, I mm. think you can do it quite well. Yeah. This one, they've taken a really odd decision here oh. with, with this massive long okay. 
um, intellectual property chain. Yeah. Um, they've decided to try and reconcile the differences between those first two Angelica Houston movies. Yep. And the John Aston, Carolyn Jones television series. So nobody mm. asked them to do this. Nobody expected <laughs> to do this. But as God is my witness, they did it and they actually made it work. Okay. <laughs> so it, it opens um, uh, at the wedding of um, Gomez and Morticia. So oh, it's a okay. bit of an origin there. Yeah, right. When the, the Adams family and the, and the Frump family first came together to... Mm-hmm. To uh, whatever the hell it is that the uh, the Adams family does uh, in, in unholy matrimony, and they are of course uh, instead of going on a honeymoon, immediately chased out of town by villagers with torches and pitchforks, well, as you do, <laughs> as they have been for centuries since they were chased out of the old country, mm-hmm. and they decide to they, they need a place to settle down. Um, they find uh, a place of uh, no. No hope of melancholy and and of horror and terror in New Jersey. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> in New Jersey, so they set up on a, a hill, uh, which is surrounded by fog and swamps and marshes, and and it's all in black and white. <laughs> Feels like it's all sort of desaturated, uh, and they all live unhappily ever after <laughs> until. Someone drains the marshes and builds a um, a city, a town. Mm, sorry, okay. a, 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 what would you call this? A, a housing development, like a settle, settlement. No, yeah, housing, development, housing development where they're selling um, plots to on on television and right. You know, and it's called. And this town is a beautiful town, and it's perfect, and it's called it's a, like the good place. Yeah, it's called Assimilation, <laughs> USA. <laughs> you can see the trope they're setting up here yeah. already. Um, and it's run by this uh, reality TV show host, and and she's like she she does one of those homemaking shows. Oh yeah, uh, played by Alison Janney oh, uh, from the West I love Wing. Her. Yeah, she's so great. She'd be having fun here doing that. She is she? having great fun yeah. with this, uh, and um, she and her family come into conflict with the Adams family because the first time the the, the fog clears and they see this. From their point of view, hideous, awful monstrosity on the hill. Yeah. They, want to, they want to make it over <laughs> and make it fit in with the town. You know, that's sort of that old... Can't have an eyesore there. No, no, so it has to be fixed. So, uh, and thereby hangs the tale. Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac plays Gomez Adams, of oh, course. So good. Um, yeah, he's getting around a bit, isn't he? He is. I feel it. And he's been around for a long time, but mm. he's really started having his heyday of appreciation, which is really great. Mm. And um, I should make a joke about Edgar Allan Poe there, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, Charlize Theron is Morticia Adams and she plays that voice so well. She's very good at comedy as well. I think that she would have... I didn't know that, you know, for the longest time. Yeah, yeah. she's been... And because she's been in... She does a lot of kind of comedy cameos and things like that. Chloe Grace Moretz is suitably morose as Wednesday Adams, mm. which of course is where some of the comedy for this particular story comes out of. It's, uh, uh, you know, she's um, growing up and um, she's rebelling against the horror. Yeah. <laughs> so she sort of toys with the vague sort of um, um, idea that they had for one of the uh, the monsters that that other horror television show. Yeah. Their daughter, uh, Marilyn, I think, um, was normal. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which horrified the monsters. <laughs> so Wednesday's sort of toying with that. But, but fear not, you know it's not going to stick. It's hard. I, I mean, to me, Christina Ricci's always going to be 
yeah. you know, the template for Wednesday. But I suppose that's just what I grew up with, so... Um, you know, they've got Uncle Fester there. Nick Kroll does a really good Fester voice. Uh, Finn Wolfhard's a pretty damn um, um, unpleasant Pugsley Adams, a juvenile delinquent, nice. uh, the perfect Pugsley. I, think he's, I, I really think he's a really good actor. I'm happy that he's doing a lot of stuff. And they get Bette Midler to do the voice for Grandmama Adams. Aww. So, you know, absolutely perfect. Decent cast on it. Yeah, yeah. Like Conrad Vernon himself plays Lurch. Cool. Um, not a huge voice role, admittedly, but <laughs> just you know, grunting and things. Yeah, ringing all the chimes. There. No, he actually gets a number, oh. <laughs> but I don't think he's seen it. Is there a musical? Is it is a musical? Uh, no, it's not a musical, but it does have some songs in it. Okay, because Snoop Dogg plays Cousin It. Yes, perfect. So I saw that on the thing. I was like, really? <laughs> they've provided a. Uh, there is a song that, right. that he's done for the the whole thing. Okay, um, Titus Burgess from. Um, uh, 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 what's the name? Oh. Um, Unbreakable Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah, um, plays um, the 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 agent for cool. uh, the reality host in this, and Pom Clemenatif plays these twin girls as well, and Martin Short. Uh, you know, it's just got everybody in it doing the, all Short. the voices. Yeah, hmm. he plays uh, Grandpa Frump. Nice. I have no problem at all with all the voices in that. That's really important to lock in for an animated movie. Yeah. And they all... They and they all, all did a good job. Oh, absolutely. All, all right in there. It's Look, it's not a complicated um, movie. It is meant to be. Is it, It's a kid's film, it's right? It's a kid's Family film, film. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, as an alleged adult... Um, I enjoyed it still for for the for the morbid uh, the morbidity. It's going up against like Frozen two at this time yeah. of year and things. So it's uh, this will be for the uh, the budding goth child, yeah, who, yeah. who who doesn't who's sort of wants to be miserable for, <laughs> for an hour. the Yang to Frozen two's yeah, yin, yeah, <laughs> whichever you know, yeah, like this is. is like you know, there's Frozen and then there's Frozen to death with the Adams family, <laughs> yeah. and, and and I just I just cracked up that they worked so hard to build a bridge from those movies in the television series. It's interesting. Someone on the project must have like a passion for Adam's family because oftentimes when they're really trying to go all the way like that, it's because they were attached. (laughs) Uh, There's some great things in this. I I like the CGI, um, which is really brings to life or unlife Charles Adam's cartoons. Um, The textures on everything in the Adam's family is really creepy. It's uh, cool. And, but it looks fun. It contrasts very nicely with the happy colours mm. that are in assimilation in the town. Um, and I actually found the happy colours more scary because, <laughs> it, because it was like this like Stepford Pleasantville well, sort of... Well, it's like that episode of Black Mirror where everything's like pastel and pink and stuff, yeah. but it's like actually a horrible society. And there's a fairly neat, although by now commonplace, uh, uh, satire upon... Um, social media as a, a place where you can whip up mm. um, feeling against the outsiders, the others, mm. you know. Um, it's funny about the colours. I think one of the characters, might be Morticia, one stage sa- says, oh, pink, that's such a gateway colour. <laughs> <laughs> <That's so good. laughs> oh, she's great. She, um, you, If you've ever, you know, Morticia Adams has her, she doesn't really have legs. She has tentacles that come mm. out from her dress. She actually ambulates along on these. That's cool. <laughs> it's just subtly there. Like the a, gli- a little, yeah, a little cri- glide. Crittery glide. Yeah. I never could figure out what the hell she was supposed to be. It's like sort of ghoul vampire. Like a hybrid yeah. thing. And there's spiders as well, so you know, <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on there. Lots of sight gags, lots of lots of puns and silly jokes. And did you did you laugh out loud? Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Oh, that's always a good yeah. sign. Like when they went down to the wine cellar. 
and they uncorked one of the the, uh, the vats. And from inside you heard, oh, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> we have many vintage wines. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, really good. Just so, I only just got that. <laughs> it's just so crap, <laughs> but it's fun. I enjoyed it. It took me right out of everything. Except for one bit, which is possibly a trigger thing, okay. um, where Wednesday's playing with a magnifying glass and okay. you know, and sets a tree on fire. You know, there's a little mm. bit triggery there, but they didn't know. No, well, you know. Anyway, uh, bit of a little bit of escapism. Yeah, exactly. For the most part. For the most part, yeah, you do want to escape in sheer terror from the Adams family. <laughs> That's uh, what they want. Yeah, good, like. good soundtrack too, by the way. They, nice. Like I said, apart from Snoop Dogg's opus. Apart from not a dog fan. <laughs> oh, look, I, I didn't actually um, – um, it was it's the end title. I was going to say credits, right? It would yeah. be a credit song probably. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how they're going to incorporate that into the child's film. I want to see if I can play um, a track from the soundtrack. Oh, yes. An Adams Family Reunion, mm-hmm. which is by Michael Dana and Jeff Jeff Dana. Um, so probably a husband and wife team. And here we go with, with that. It's not going to be a long track, but I, I love the way that they've um, incorporated the riff from the original TV series in yeah. this as well. Yeah, so recognisable. Triple R. There we had Adam's family reunion there. And they do dance, not quite the mamushka, but something <laughs> called the mazurka, which is... Um, to do with uh, a rite of passage that the Adams family has with using sabres and stuff. So it's kind of like the Mamushka from um, the original Adams family movie, a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, in terms of zero G, um, yeah, no, nah, maybe I'd give it a yeah. Nice. You know, bit uh, of fun. Yeah, it, it rang my chimes and I enjoyed it. I wonder though, because I suppose it is animated, so, because I just grew up on those other films, they have such a strong place in my heart, but this is a different beast, I should try it out. Yeah, yeah. But you won't, you won't feel like you're not watching um, some kind of sequel to those 1990 movies, mm, you know, okay. just with different people there. Okay. Uh, all right, so uh, moving to one side of that and over to Doctor Who. <laughs> she back. She's back. Yay. I didn't realise she was back. She is. Season 12. Excellent. Uh, they played it on um, New Year's Day. Uh, uh, dropped on iTunes here. And actually, um, it's not just this isolated uh, uh, seasonal special. Mm-hmm. It used mm-hmm. to be There used to be a... There was a special... Christmas special. Yeah. Um, shifted over to a New Year's Day special. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's go- ongoing from that on the weekly basis now. So this is... Uh, the 13th Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, yep. rolling on with her tw- with the 12th season of New Doctor Who. Yep. She's already got one season under her rainbow uh, suspenders mm-hmm. that she wears. Um, and now they're into this second season for her and her um, crew of companions. Uh, it is called Spyfall. Mm-hmm. And it was um, uh, written by Chris Chibnall, the... Uh, the uh, the Doctor Who um, showrunner at the mm-hmm. moment, uh, who's sort of come up from a, a fan base in part, uh, so he knows what he's doing. I think anyway. Yeah. Uh, look, I watched all of the first season with Jodie Whittaker, and I enjoyed it for yeah, the we, most part. We loved it. It was a good, good vibe, good chemistry between the gang. A lot of social justice. Yes, plenty um, of messages, but not too heavy-handed. Well, 
the Doctor has always been a social justice warrior, mm. which is a, a shield that the Doctor wears with pride, seriously. And, you know, it's like... <sighs> It's like criticising Star Trek whenever it does something that uh, is social commentary. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor's been there as well since the 60s doing the same thing. Well, it's a part of, you know. Very few despotic regimes on planets are still standing by the time the Doctor <laughs> leaves um, on Earth as well. And in this case, Spyfall, uh, how much to tell people? It's been on for... I'd say not a lot. Not a lot? Mm, I mean, because there'll be a part two. And, I mean, I guess if people haven't caught up yet, then yeah. after part two we can, you know? Yeah. I'd say that also because I've not watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs> thinking of the listeners, of yeah, course. Yeah, thinking of the listeners. Well, you know, you can be a listener too. <laughs> um, all right, so we won't go into too much there. The the whole crew's back, all of the companions. Uh, some uh, new and old guests are appearing in oh. this in this one. Um, you will see that Lenny Henry is in the cast list oh. and Stephen Fry as well. <laughs> Okay, uh, interesting. Stephen Fry is playing a role that's not too far from other roles that he has played in the past in movies and so on. Uh, and um, Lenny Henry is um, actually playing a serious dramatic role in this one, okay. uh, which is not unusual no. for him, but, but he does it does well, it quite well. Yeah. Uh, Spyfall, obviously in the title there's going to be something about spies and what we actually get is a, a very lively uh, satire and parody mm-hmm. On the uh, the Bond movies, and that kind of whole espionage great type into of it. thing, yeah, it worked really well. Um, they they had successfully played with the tropes. They visited places um, on a worldwide scale nice. that reminded me of the way they do Bond movies. Although obviously, a lot easier to get to in a TARDIS. <laughs> Just rock up there, and there's a, a bit of a new TARDIS interior too, which uh, oh. I liked. They got and uh, a bit of a spruce. A bit of a spruce. Um, Jody got to wear some other costumes. Cool. In this one, good. Um, she's still showing her ankles, which is <laughs> great. You know, I'm a Victorian. I approve of that. <laughs> uh, and um, I thought it was really good. There is uh, some very, very interesting developments in this, which I heartily approved of when when it occurred. And I'm not going to talk too much more to that point. Uh, but I think they did that very, very well. Okay. Uh, they actually surprised me. Uh, ah. And this ain't my first Doctor. No. Uh, you know, I've been kicking around there since the 60s. Uh, and I'm just enjoying the hell out of Jodie Whittaker's um, sojourn in the TARDIS, however long that lasts. Nice. Usually it's like about three seasons. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't the general three, consensus four, three to four? Know, yeah, and these are short seasons too. So. Very short. Yeah. I think you can watch it back on iview. Yes, so. it's already dropped. The second episode has already dropped on today. Okay. So if you're just um, going to go and get into that, be careful you don't watch the second one. Yeah, I'm looking at it now and they're promoting that seats episode two. So, yeah, just be sure to, if you scroll down, you'll be able to get to part one. Mm. So they drop uh, at the moment in here in, here in Australia. Mm-hmm. It drops at uh, 7 o'clock in the morning on iview. Then it will be broadcast on Thursday night on the ABC from around about 8 o'clock. Cool. Um, and the accompanying episode of the commentary series, Whovians, is not following that on the ABC uh, same channel. It's on ABC Comedy. Okay. So that's on Thursday night from around 8.56pm. They'll probably repeat it as well, but yeah. that's when the first broadcast comes. And you'll be able to probably watch that on iView as well. Yeah. I find that a little bit weird because, you know, I can watch it on iView from today. Yeah. And then I've got... 
and then it but broadcast to, on Thursday. I don't know what that's going to do to their ratings. Yeah, because it's sort of a bit of a – you don't want people to work too hard to, like, yeah. you know, watch both bits of content. I anyway. actually did watch it. I did the stupidest thing um, – we, we we sort of missed our uh, our start time, so we ended up recording it uh, on um, on the weekend. <laughs> recording it, oh, sorry, on Thursday last week, but watching it back moments later <laughs> on the recording. You know how you can do that? Yeah, can, yeah, 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 yeah. So while it's still running, you're, you're right. But you want to be at the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh, technology. Oh, look. It's so great. It could be – I think my DVR could be more sonic though. It's <laughs> just like, you know. So, yeah, um, it was fast-paced. Uh, there were some good comedic, comic lines. Um, I felt like the Doctor was um, uh, really successfully – and I mean the whole team, not just, you know, not just um, Jody successfully exploring that spy trope, mm. um, which I, I enjoyed immensely. Um, and there was some – Interesting chases in it, I thought too, <laughs> which harken back to some. Uh, well, let's let's go back to the, the John Pertwee era of Doctor Who. He was a very dynamic, um, physical Doctor. I felt like they they were um, revisiting that in many respects. All right, so I'm looking forward greatly to um, probably watching the other one, the, the second episode tonight. Of Excellent. Mm. Good start. Good start. And there's a new Bond coming out soon, so you can sort of. Get primed with all of these tropes and then trot along and see the, yes, the latest. Yes, I, I think I'd actually rather watch um, The Doctor doing this. <laughs> I must go back and watch Attack the Block. Oh, uh, I love that movie. it's got Jodie Whittaker in it. It does. And it also has a guy who plays Finn That's in right. Star Wars. Mm. Uh, that is a very underrated film that mm. not many people know about. Well, I saw it at the time and I wasn't hugely impressed with it because to me it just felt like another... Uh, I didn't actually like any of the kids in it. Well... They weren't likeable. Oh, yeah. I guess they weren't meant to be that likeable. But I liked... It was pretty obvious with the social commentary element. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really loved it. Mm. Even when I first saw it, I really... Yeah, I raved about it. And I continue to. And I'm going to go back and watch it because of all of this. Yeah. (laughs) So let's have a track here from the new Doctor Who uh, composer, Mm -hmm. uh, Segan Akinola. And this is 13. Um, Obviously, you know... Referring to her numeration, mm-hmm. and it features uh, Holly Bahagia. We played um, uh, another version of this last week, but I liked it so much I thought I'd go back to this one. Hey, this is Craig Charles, Dave Lister from Red Dwarf. You're listening to the London Jet Zero G football show. What? Zero G? Science fiction show? Oh, Smeg. <laughs> Smeg indeed, matey. Ah, 13. Sigan Ekinola from the Doctor Who Series 11 soundtrack album that one was. All right, now we've looked at the Doctor. We've looked at uh, the Adams Family. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been watching Jojo Rabbit. Yes, the awaited for YTT film mm. that he, I think, is a passion project for him. From are what we I waiting understand. for it or we, we're TTing for it? <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so hard to say. <laughs> All right, so I went to see that on the weekend as well. Uh, the Jojo in the uh, the title refers to um, the character whose name is Johansson. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, sorry, Johansson, that's Scarlet. I was going to so. say, that's weird, what a coincidence. Well, it's not that different. It's, it's not that different. It's uh, Johannes. Oh, well, so yeah. The, uh, the title character is Johannes Jojo Betzler. 
and he's christened Rabbit because of uh, an unfortunate incident where uh, where uh, he gets called Rabbit as a tease by the Nazis who are his compatriots. Uh-huh. And this is a film about um, the Hitler Youth, <laughs> or one in particular, in uh, Nazi Germany near the end of World War Two. What a concept, like... He's got balls to go into some studio and say, this is my idea. Now, if you want to have an idea of other films that are like this, well, obviously Mel Brooks, the producers, um, falls into line there. Um, But there's also a very uh, close strain of um, satire that I felt was deployed in uh, The Death of Stalin movie. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, the recent one. Crossed with that old movie about the uh, imaginary rabbit called Harvey. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. But it um, is its own film. James. Jimmy Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. So Taika Waititi, What We Do in the Shadows, Thor, Ragnarok, Wellington Paranormal, Hunt for the Wilder People. Wilder. Wilder People. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also he uh, directed the last episode of The Mandalorian. Did he? he did oh indeed. yes, I did see that, and he had a small cameo in that also. Mm. Well, he does the voice um, for uh, that robot, the bounty thing. hunter robot. Yeah. So you know. I still have, I've got I still haven't finished Mandalorian. Oh, well, I can't. I'm tell very you about excited. That, I've then. only got a couple left anyway. Yeah. Let's not talk about that now. <laughs> yeah. He's also doing the next Thor movie, Love and Thunder. Yes. Where he will also play um, Korg. Yes, excellent. <laughs> so, I think he's in the next Suicide Squad too. Yeah, he's yeah. attached to that in a. I think an actor. Yeah, capacity. I couldn't find out what um, name he, what role he was playing in that. No, I think they released all the cast, but no one's really attached to anything yet. So mm. I'm not attached to it. God no, Wait me neither. Minute. When they say the next Suicide Squad movie, is that the one, the one that? Um, not the been... Harley Quinn one. There's another one. There's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the third Suicide Squad movie, are we talking? Well, yeah, more of a group thing. Yeah. So is the last one supposed to be as well. I know. I mean, they're very unclear about this. It's like the naming and anything. It's confusing. Well, there's nothing really unclear about um, Jojo Rabbit as a movie. Mm. Um, it's, It's very straightforward. It is a bit of a surreal satire. Um, about the Nazis, <laughs> you say every you time say you say that, it, like, it's it, just like, it, what are we doing? It freaks me out here. Um, okay, uh, young uh, Jojo is just at the age where he's obsessed with uniforms and military topics because the war's on. Mm-hmm. And in a way, this movie is about his um, dis- ascent out of that madness as he discovers things about this pop culture cult Mm. that he's become part of. And I think they explore that aspect very well. They show you how a kid could be caught up in this horror. Well, it's interesting. Like, I mean, let's not go too far down this road, but I guess... Down the the Jojo rabbit hole. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's like that alt-right kid that was in Knives Out. Yes. They're talking a bit... I mean, I guess it's sort of a commentary on these... You can get involved in these groups and these different you know, sense of belonging, community and whatnot. And they're very toxic. Yeah. But they existed then, they exist now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, anyway. And um, well, Jojo is um, gaslit from the moment he, he, he uniforms up and goes off on a, uh, uh, a Hitler Youth uh, a combat child. training camp. And this is like in the uh, the end times of World War II. Mm. So these kids are going to be put into, into not exactly the – well, they're not going to send them off um, to fight – at the edges of the the dying um, Reich, 
but they're going to be caught up in the fighting yeah, within, not within Berlin. walking around in a uniform. Yeah. Well, they are actually. And some of the uniforms are made out of paper because they've run out of supplies. Jesus. You know, the, the satire on all of this is very strong. And just by presenting the facts. Mm. How um, is that tonally? Because it's a very difficult tone to be striking. It's, I think they actually, because it's Taika Waititi, he's very good at, at walking that line. Yeah. Um, and he does, I think, successfully. Mm, okay. Now, that... Bearing in mind, I, I have no idea how this would impact upon, say, a Holocaust survivor. Someone with this. a more lived experience, yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I don't know and I don't pretend to even uh, know. Mm. Um, so obviously that w- people are going to watch that on a case-by-case basis. Anyway, um, uh, Roman Griffith Davis plays uh, Jojo mm-hmm. um, and a fine acting because he's quite young, like he's that's very, a uh, pretty yeah meaty yeah, role. It is indeed. Um, he's the son of um, cinematographer Ben Davis and writer director Camille Griffin, huh. so he's obviously been he's around. He's in the biz. industry. That's I mean, a lot of those kids. That's how they get into yeah, it. Yeah, and it's probably good that he is because mm. um, there's a lot that he has to do in this. Yeah, and the perspective of all of this scene from the ten year olds' yeah. eyes is is at once sobering. And also, yeah, it gives you that built-in sort of um, relief that you'll need in a grim situation like this as an audience member. Okay, yeah. I don't know if I want to give this away. Uh, Thomasin McKenzie plays a character who will interact with um, Jojo's life quite significantly. Uh, She appeared in The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, and in the upcoming True History of the Kelly Gang as well. Oh, yeah. Taika Waititi plays <laughs> Adolf Hitler, <laughs> um, Jojo's imaginary friend. His imaginary Hitler. Imaginary fiend, mm. yes. Um, because, you know, this is, it's like he's got the full um, assault of all of the Nazi propaganda, the whole um, cultural setting of becoming yeah. a, a Hitler youth and, and going on and all that. In the in the setting of the dying days of World War Two, so it's all been turned on its head. Yes, you know, it's a very. I mean, a, a time that's not necessarily oft portrayed. As one of his um, one of his friends, same age friends, uh, says within the film, it's a terrible time to be a Nazi. <laughs> that's in the trailers. Yeah, <laughs> um, Rebel Wilson. <laughs> Plays. Um, She's just popping up all over the place. Yeah, isn't she? she plays a fanatical Nazi um, instructor. I did see yeah bits of her in the trailer, and she did make me laugh in the trailer. So uh, Stephen Marchant's playing a Gestapo agent. Mm. <laughs> you know? He plays a similar role in everything. Let's be honest. Um, uh, Theon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones was he just as bad as nasty as that in? Uh, Oh, no, sorry, that's the other guy. Yeah, um, yeah, Stephen Merchant, he's, he does a lot of, like... I bet Ricky. Alfie Allen um, oh, yeah. plays that character. Uh, Sam Rockwell is in this movie as Captain Klendensorf, who's a Wehrmacht army officer um, who was wounded in uh, combat and now um, runs a Hitler youth camp. Uh, and he is... I'm a little bit um, conflicted by this. Uh, he is clearly not with the SS Nazi program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if that, you know, the cliche of the good German soldier sure. is in play here, but it's nuanced along the way. And uh, and I think, um, yeah, all right. Okay, we'll go with that there. Um, he's He is acting his heart out in this film and it's a beautiful role. He's taken on some very interesting stuff lately. Mm. 
Yeah. I've always liked Sam Rockwell, but he's come a long way since his Charlie's Angels full throttle days. And Scarlett Johansson plays yes. JoJo's single mother. Um, and once again, a fine performance from Scarlett. I, I, I watch this film and I'm thinking, I'm so affected by the characters and, mm. and moved by their circumstances. Mm. And, it's know. nice to see her do stuff like this. Yeah. I always forget that she is capable of doing... I don't know, some really good, meaty, dramatic stuff. Yes, as well as being the finest Black Widow I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> I am looking forward to that Black Widow movie. Yeah, coming up this year. Yeah. Very, very soon. I very think March soon. or something like that. And it has Florence Pugh in it, who you, you mm. liked from Midsummer. Yeah. And who I liked from Little Bird. Yeah, she's playing the um, one of the other widows. Star, I think, yeah. yeah. Or some, yeah, someone related to, anywho. To the Red Room program. We digress. We do, actually. Um, and, you know, amongst the many wonderful things that she brings to the character in this mm. uh, is probably a side sort of uh, thing, but I can't help but noticing that she wears Art Deco era clothes so well. Yeah, I look. the style of this looked really good. Like yeah. just even from looking at the trailer, I think that the whole costume setting and all of that looked really good. Well, there's, it, there's also quite a satire upon that because when you're talking about costumes in Berlin, um, military uniforms and stuff, which have their own costume element to them because Nazis, mm. you know, um, there's a satire upon the costumes also built into this film and mm. played up to as well. Okay. So they really do drill down. I think, you know, and Tyker, of course, playing Hitler is doing it in a, in a very satirical fashion, mm. um, reminiscent of um, Charlie Chaplin in The uh, yeah. the Great Dictator. Um, and they, this is just a random side question. From what I can tell, they speak in English but with fake sure. German accents. Um, is there anything in German? Yes, there is, actually. David Bowie sings in German. But generally, <laughs> Okay. I mean, which, look, I think is probably the right choice, but I was just curious if there's any actual German in it. Hmm. Is this? Is there any danger of this film? Because it is a really delicate time in the world with um, neo-fascists. Hmm. Let me pause there to, to laugh in their faces or in their um, fascist faces because you guys are wannabe Nazis... So you want to be the guys who lost <laughs> the yeah. war, you know? Anyway, um, at, at, at this time in our in our civilization, as it does seem like in some places the lights are going out, um, does this film have any any danger of attracting people to the Nazi cult? I can't I, I imagine. Would think not, but I can't think at that level, so I don't know. I also think. If it did, I think it's not the only thing. I think it would be one of many influences. Yeah. Um, it would inspire me to, to resist, certainly from um, the way the film sort of runs. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 hadn't seen, I didn't see this one at the end of the last year when I um, was coming up with a, a list of favourite films. But it, instantly, it would have been? instantly goes into mm. that list, along with, um, I think, Parasite and Knives Out in social commentary at least. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, nice. Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit, um, a confronting, challenging, uh, also wonderful and uplifting. Yeah, how did you feel coming out of it? Because I'm curious as to what it's sort of ultimate. Like, did you come out feeling happy or sad? To me, it shows 
that you can't you can't you can indoctrinate you can brainwash you can propagandize you can demonize people mm. so much to the effect that uh, they forget their humanity but it's also possible to escape from that too and to fight against it okay so yeah in that uplifting that regard, yeah okay yeah i also want i, I didn't um i go i want to go back and say that thomas and mckenzie the role that she plays in this and the way that she does it it's 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 particularly effective okay and i think because they sort of they empower the character along the way some of these things may be a bit tropic a bit too cliched and a bit too pat yeah, uh, sure. Given the um, the movie, but I tell you what, it's a terrifying movie too. When that kid runs down a street that's uh, under fire from um, from people bombing it, as the Allies move in, it's a scary thing. Yeah, you know, and you feel that sort of sense of dread, um, particularly when the Gestapo are around. And as much as the comedy kind of diffuses that, it doesn't it's take it there. away. It's still there. Well, there's so, so much of that imagery is so strong and potent, even f- like just from exposure to the world that you can't kind of help getting a bit of a visceral reaction, really, I think. Sort of trying to get my head around the way that plays. Um, there are things that the Nazis find funny mm. that are absolutely dead set chilling. Mm. And they remind it reminds you that at heart they're like schoolyard bullies. Yeah. Basically, that's where they start and then they they, they blossom out evilly from that and take it to even more terrifying extent mm. and the the fact that they find certain things funny that is extremely chilling in the midst of this comedy so that you can imagine what a difficult job Very it must have made this film. yeah i mean interesting very interested intriguing mm. so it, it does get a definite um um a yeah a yeah yeah as they would say um yeah, so uh, everyone in this is is is, is fine, and there I could I could see that there'd be Oscars in this for some people, mm. uh, possibly not for Taika Waititi playing Hitler. <laughs> I think but maybe some be, of the others. That would be way too difficult a place to go. Yeah, I would think, but I mean, possibly something in direction or screenwriting. Who knows? Mm, mm. Although I don't know. Um, uh, and that's about it for Zero G today. It's really whipped by, hasn't it? It has whipped by. I was going to talk about um, the final episode of The Mandalorian, but Megan hasn't seen it yet. I know. I will have watched it and then we can discuss. Yeah. Uh, it was directed by Taika Waititi, the um, last episode of uh, Mandalorian. John Favreau writing it. And it contains, um, I will say, one of the finest sequences I've Ooh. ever seen in any Star Wars Movie or television show or animation. That's big talk. That it's very big, big talk. talk. All right. Big, big talk. Okay, well, I will be prepared next time. Hmm. All right, well, welcome back, Meg. Yes, very happy. Welcome to 2020. And I'm choosing to be hopeful and proactive this year hmm. and not let, you know. Until next week, we're going to play the, um, the David Bowie German version hmm. of Heroes, which um, they use in the soundtrack, Helden. Uh, this is a 1989 remix. Um, is Joe Brunatic coming up? No, next sorry, in? we have Kate Reed next on Astral Planet. Kate Reed in Astral Planet? Yes. And next, until next week, I'll leave you with this Sigogimus Allos Subjectos Nook, which is we gladly feast on those who would subdue us, the Adams family motto. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R's Zero G. 
a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.